0: Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger. And as always, we have another amazing guest. I want to welcome again, Greg Garrett. He is the MD at CGS Advisors. He's a co-author of a new book called Competing in the Connecting World, The Future of Your Disrupted Industry is Already Here. Welcome back, Greg, to the show.
1: Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: It's been a couple of years since we talked last. Obviously, that's a long time in this world of innovation. So I want to get you back on to talk about some of the things that you've been doing the new book that you've got out called Competing in the Connecting World. Let's start there. Give the audience a little bit of background on what you're doing and then how you got to this book.
1: Yeah. So the book is a culmination of experience over probably decades, really. But about six years ago, I started teaching a course at a university here in Michigan called Oakland University. And they asked me to develop this course. And we called it Competing in the Connecting World because I was noisy in an advisory session one time and said, are we really preparing students and future leaders to compete in this connecting world, and this future world? Or are we just Doing more of the same. They said, We probably aren't, or we could do it differently. Could you help us develop the course? Taught it for a few years. This is a, an MBA and graduate engineering course, and realized there's really very little written, a lot in the media world, an in, in article world, but very little mm-hmm. written formally around it. So, my co author, Dr. Warren Ritchie, and I, you know, grabs a lot of what we were teaching in the classroom, a, a little bit what we were speaking at publicly, and also what we've been consulting on and living ourselves around digital and, and transformation in general. And put it in a book.
0: So let's unpack that a little bit and give our audience background about yourself. You've spent a lot of time in Fortune 100 world as an executive. You've done a lot of consulting and investing in that. So you've seen a lot from both sides of the puzzle, both inside organizations, outside organizations. What made you decide that this was a topic that you wanted to dig into, and, and what have you learned?
1: Yeah. So you got the history, right? a Bunch of years with large firms. And then the last nine years being a very small firm, 20 person boutique transformation organization, working back with some of those large firms, but then also working with uh, medium size and scaling and do a lot of mentoring inside of different accelerators and whatnot. So I've got one foot in each of those camps, the, the startup, the scale up world, and then the uh, large entity trying to transform world. The reason we thought the timing was right, aside from just sitting in the front of a classroom with 50 students and needing to have some structure. A couple of different indicators came out. One, when we look at this big pattern, we see this as a, people talk industry disruption. We see this as a technological discontinuity, meaning it's a point in time where a certain set of technologies have permeated the industry, or really in this case, many industries to the point where what was stable at one point and what was standard is becoming discontinuous. And so you can look to the background and think things like when electrical power generation came forth or when uh, maybe the internal combustion engine, this is the type of technological driven change that is occurring inside of industries. What we found is many leaders haven't really lived through these things. They haven't really studied them. When you look at the patterns, it really is a disruption to industry. Many new entrants will rise, some will fall, companies will be broken up, and that's the patterns that we're seeing. And this is a little bit of a field guide that says leaders need to have a bit of a process to deal with it.
0: Well, I like that point because I think a lot of leaners out there get into their own myopic bubbles of this is my industry and these are the technologies that are impacting it. But when you think about it, self-driving cars, AI, robotics, you name it, there's 20, 30, 40 of those new technologies out there. And any one of them could be majorly disruptive to an industry, but yet they're all hitting and colliding at once. These collisions don't always map correctly or it's like marbles hitting. A, uh, you don't know exactly where they're going to go because they're bouncing off different things. What are some of the core trends that you're seeing that some of the executives you're working with or the teams that you're working with are either fully embracing or not seeing that they're going to be impacting
1: their industries? Throughout some of them that are absolutely there, autonomy is both in the mobility function as well as its effect on many, many industries of moving goods, people, maybe even ideas around is absolutely a disruptive one that will drive tons of forced transformation inside of firms and many firms won't survive because of it ai in general is probably the biggest one and anything that just makes data so we really break it down to iot internet of things censoring basically the entire environment the data that's pulled from that being able to drive out now with ai and being able to do more with it no matter if that's machine learning versions or much simpler analytics and then just generally process automation no matter if it's an rpa robotic process automation in the digital sense or more of a physical, the mobility and the autonomous vehicle type of piece. Those three are probably the ones we're paying most attention to.
0: So how are you seeing companies get up to speed on those particular topics or fully understand where they can be going based on what's coming out?
1: Well, it varies. You mentioned it. Some leaders are the boiled frog a little bit and aren't really sensing that the water is getting hot around them. Others are recognizing it and trying to get in. Those that are recognizing it, we see a couple of different patterns pulling out. Some want to do things internally because they have some of the capabilities necessary. These are typically firms that have looked at the environment and see that they might have a competitive advantage. And so that they're wanting to take hold of that. Others are seeing it as a major gap and they might manage a little bit more from fear. And they're looking for ways to fill that gap that can be done through acquisition strategy. A lot of them are moving towards, as you well know, in, in your world, more support of startups and trying to incubate ideas outside the, the traditional four walls. And then there's all kinds of different varying in between special projects and potentially different divisions and whatnot. But the one thing that we're seeing is once the identification, the gap identification of those capabilities is drawn, the action needs to take place. Uh, storied or the term now is innovation theater. That's right. just not really working. Those that are really serious about it are doing something. It's risky. Sometimes it doesn't work. Buy companies, sell companies, spin off divisions, et cetera. But that's the type of activity that we're seeing that is starting to add up.
0: Are there particular characteristics of leaders or of companies that you're seeing that are getting it or ones that are doing it well?
1: You know, I think it's likely a little too early to lay it out. The easy ones are always what we call ecosystem commanders, the Amazons of the world that are having an effect in the market where people can witness not only the innovation itself, but the power of this ecosystem playing out. Those are the easy ones. So yeah, I think the ecosystem commanders, no matter if it's uh, the Amazons, the Apples, maybe even the Microsofts that cut across many industries. They're doing it well, but they probably started what they were doing a decade ago. Now they're starting to benefit from that. I think it's a little early in the cycles to say big industrial company or new startup, which ones have that right. But a lot of the ones that are in those activities, as I'm saying, recognizing and maybe acquiring, not because they're trying to build market share focusing on the capability. We're really big in this. We've got basically three layers of our model that we look at. One is understanding what's happening at the industry level. That's what I spoke about before. The second one is the firm level of transforming the firm. And the last one is really the leadership level of what are the steps the leader needs to go through. And at that firm level, where we see the balance is leaders that are recognizing that the firm needs to transform and leaders that are focusing on the transformation around that capability gap. Those are the ones that we think are getting it right.
0: I've seen this when I've talked to a variety of different companies. Some of them like that middle management layer, I suppose, seeing it firsthand because they're more in the trenches and trying to push up to their leaders saying, hey, we need to take advantage of this. We need to understand this. We need to do something about it. And you're not necessarily getting in buy-in from the the C-suite. And then on the reverse, sometimes you're seeing it directly pushed down from the C-suite saying, hey, we need to, to change that. Are there ways that this can happen when it doesn't come from top down saying, hey, we've got to actually change the way we're doing business?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily need to come from the top down and say this is the mandate, but it needs to be, the top does need to be part of this conversation. Middle management or the middle layer leaders, if they truly are leading and not just managing, that are recognizing things and hit a wall or right. hit a ceiling, that's going to be a recipe for lots of frustration and likely not a lot of success. Top management that may not know what to tell the middle management to do, but are open to driving things out and allowing the middle leaders to rise, that might work. That's where a lot of maybe new divisions being built out and giving a a middle leader an opportunity to carve something out or make a a safe environment like a sandbox environment to go try new things. Those examples would be indicators that top leadership may not know exactly what to do, but they do know how to create space to allow middle leaders to do something.
0: Yeah, provide the air cover, if nothing else.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. For
0: for what's going on. Some of the things that we're seeing, obviously, two years ago when we talked, there was a big push on the startup front and a lot of new startups being created and this whole idea of disruption. And you saw a lot more corporations dipping their toe, whether it's creating an accelerator or investing in startups and that. I see some of that changing the landscapes a little bit where companies seem to be trying to do a little bit more in-house than always looking outside to startups. What are some of the things that you're seeing out there when it comes to this startup corporate collaboration and that?
1: Yeah, I think the models are maturing. Some of them, as I mentioned before, so I live up here in Detroit, pay a lot of attention to the mobility industry. There's just some pure outright acquisitions taking place or major investments instead of just doing small startups and seeing if we can do this more for ideation purposes, which a lot of this was just get access to ideas. Now it's a little bit more to how can we build into some of these trends, no matter if it's electrification or Autonomy or some of the even AI and whatnot. Some of it's just flavors of what was happening a few years ago is one thing that I'm seeing, but maybe a little bit more depth and purpose built instead of scatter plot. The second one is actually bringing some of that accelerator type of mindset internally and doing things, no matter if it's with employees or with startups that are being funded internally, making a pool of funding. And the rest of it is, I don't know if I can see a pattern in it. It's people just trying hard and paying attention to it and having conversation beyond just the term innovation. Maybe they're trying to put some purpose around the innovation, strategic innovation.
0: So the last thing I want to talk about, you've been a busy guy with your new book and you've been doing a lot more speaking gigs and such like that. In addition to all the consulting that you do, you also spun up a podcast called You, Me and Your Top Three. So I want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing with that particular project and some of the things that you're learning there.
1: Brian, thanks for mentioning it. Yeah, the, the podcast is a little bit of a, an opportunity for me to continue this conversation from the book in, in the first place. The, the book is broken down, as I said, into these three layers of what's going on in the industry and looking at new business models and understanding that the firm transformation, which is you can get pretty mechanical around and then the leadership level of what do leaders really need to do. And it's that part that I was enjoying the most uh, speaking about. It was that part that I think I enjoyed really writing the most part is around the leader. So I didn't want to let that go And I've had the great fortune of really surrounding myself with many, many leaders. And about nine months ago now, I was having a conversation with one of those folks that I surround myself with and telling him I wanted to continue this conversation in a podcast form. And he was telling me how he interviews people at the very senior level. He just asks them one question, tell me the five people that you spend most of your time with. And he hires the people that are surrounding themselves with people that are diverse and successful. He used the metaphor for me. Professional athletes hang out with other professional athletes because they understand each other and they push one another. It rounded all the way around. It reminded me of something my grandfather, who was pretty successful in his own right, said to me. He said, you're known by the company you keep. Yeah. So that's what we're doing on this podcast is we're bringing leaders in that are facing industry disruption, transforming firms, and we ask them specifically about who do they surround themselves with, who are their top three people they surround themselves with to be brave and get pushed. And, and our goal in it is not only have interesting conversations, but maybe allow the listener to think a little bit about themselves. Who are they surrounding themselves with? Who is their kind of virtual advisory board to help them be a better leader?
0: That sounds great. That's That's a really awesome way to expand the conversation in a little bit different way. Greg, it's a pleasure to have you back on the Inside Outside Innovation podcast. Look forward to talking again in the future. If, If people want to find out more about the book or about your services and that, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, they can come to me at the corporate site, cgsadvisors.com. The book is on Amazon. It's competing in the connecting world, or they can follow me. It's Gregory, G-R-E-G-G-O-R-Y, Garrett with double R, double T -T, at both Twitter and at LinkedIn.
0: Thank you again for being on the show and and look forward to talking in the future.
1: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it.
0: That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io. Or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.